0: Ciao. You're listening to Ed Up Insights, where you'll get my take on higher education. I'm Bill Pepicello, former president of University of Phoenix and Higher Ed Vagabond. So let's get started. Well, podcastees, have you ever worked on a jigsaw puzzle without knowing what the final result will be? My wife does this all the time, and I am constantly amazed. But in looking at some of the articles about events in higher education recently, it occurred to me that sometimes there are dots like puzzle pieces that can be connected to give us some insight into what the puzzle of higher education will look like when we finish it. Specifically, there's a lot of commotion around for profits, not for profits, and whether the twain shall meet or eliminate one or, or the other, or merge, or acquire each other, or transform into the next iteration of higher education. But in the end, it will all be about the business model. Well, you knew I was going there eventually, that the puzzle will reveal. Because sadly, without a viable, sustainable business model, higher ed will be unable to continue to serve its customers. And that is because at the end of the day, higher education is a business. And all the struggles we're witnessing right now is the writhing involved in birthing this new model. Hey, that was pretty cool. So let's look at some of the puzzle pieces, or at least a couple, that might not look like they're related, but may in fact be part of an evolving picture. First, let's look at the acquisition update. Um, In a recent opinion piece by Neil Hutchins and Frank Fernandez, they discussed, as have many others, the University of Idaho announcing last month that it will purchase the for-profit University of Phoenix. And I know something about the University of Phoenix. It plans to turn Phoenix into a a non-profit corporation that will function as a separate legal entity. And the move came after the University of Arkansas board um, came out against a a movement to buy Phoenix. And so this is just part of The trend recently for not for profits to acquire for profit institutions. And there are a number of these. I won't go into them here. But the question is do these mergers indicate that the for profit model is dying, or instead that public institutions are becoming more like for profit entities, either by copying their business methods or just through outright acquisition of for profit institutions? And of course, the latter is the case, because in fact, this kind of merger is an indication that the for-profit model of business, not education, is gaining traction in higher education. Public institutions simply have little or no idea about maintaining a transparent, accountable bottom line, and I'll come back to this shortly. The for-profit business model drives the American economy. And it's time for higher education to come into the real world and be part of it. Higher ed is no longer an island. It's increasingly the weak link in the U.S. supply chain that serves our citizens. So what we're seeing here are efforts to strengthen that chain. Now, Hutchins and Fernandez claim that public universities acquire for-profit institutions precisely because they hope to benefit from the enrollments and tuition revenues that were achieved by the business practices of for-profit providers. (laughs) Well, duh. And they say, some will question whether a public university acquiring a for-profit institution will continue to claim that the for-profit business practices are focused on revenue generation rather than prioritizing the best interests of the students and taxpayers who ultimately pay for state and federal financial aid. What? a crock. You see, if publics don't find a way to generate revenues, they cannot act in the best interest of students. Why? Because they'll go out of business. This is what the American for-profit model is all about. You generate revenue to continue to serve customers and expand and improve that service. This is called doing well by doing good. Now, let me repeat. Public universities need a for-profit model in order to survive, and they have no idea how to restructure a model that is dependent on the kindness of strangers, namely states and the feds, and then force the shortfall on the consumer, namely students. Now, you tell me, how is this continuing to burden students prioritizing their best interests? Okay, now let's look at another piece of the puzzle. All this misreading about how higher ed can stay open brought to mind another article, this one about the education business model of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Now, in complete transparency, I was born and raised and got my undergraduate education in Pennsylvania. I also taught at Temple University and was a a tenured associate professor there. So, that said, each year, Pennsylvania's legislature sends hundreds of millions of taxpayer dollars to four state-related universities, Lincoln University, Penn State, Temple, and the University of Pittsburgh. They have a special status that allows them to operate independently while receiving money from the state. But while state law dictates how the appropriation should be used, state lawmakers, government officials, and the public have little insight into how the money is actually spent. What? Well, it appears that the universities are not required to track their exact expenditures directly to appropriations, which is likely why the uh, statutory sections allow them to also include, quote, other university accounts, unquote, so that it is reported in total and not uh, line by line. Now, the four universities also file uh, an annual report that details budget information uh, for the previous and current fiscal years. And the universities report lump sum spending of the state appropriations in these reports. And similarly, Pennsylvania's Office of the Budget publishes monthly updates on how much money each of the universities has used, although the reports do not specify how the appropriations were spent. Pennsylvania law requires that the universities use the appropriation only for costs directly related to the instruction of students or student related services. Now, Temple Pitt, and Penn State are among the most expensive universities for in-state tuition and fees in the nation for that matter, according to U.S. News and World Report. Now, It's also the case that each of those state-related universities raised their tuition in 2022. Now, an outfit called Spotlight Pennsylvania contacted each of the state-related universities by email to request information about how the university spends its appropriation. And they essentially asked for each $1 that the university receives in taxpayer money, what percentage go to student financial aid, um, whether that's merit or need-based, instructional costs, building maintenance, and other expenditures. Sounds reasonable, no? Well, Penn State, in an email statement, said that it does not track appropriation spending this way. All the appropriation, they said, is used to offset the cost of instruction and provide a discounted tuition to Pennsylvania residents, which the university more than doubles to provide an even greater discount for in-state students. Uh, Okay. In an email statement uh, to the Spotlight Pennsylvania organization, Temple said that all of the annual appropriation is used to determine the in-state tuition rate, but on the Temple website, it says that it uses state funds to pay for the necessary expenses to educate students, including salaries and benefits for faculty and staff, utilities, facilities, and technical needs. Hmm... Okay, so how are these two things connected? Simple. Whether you're a fan of public for-profit partnerships, mergers, acquisitions, and so on, the business model for these new hybrid institutions is transparent and under close scrutiny from state and federal governments, as well as accreditors. Now I can tell you from experience, government oversight bodies including accreditors, do not accept, oh, trust me on how I use revenues, including taxpayer money, as an explanation for expenditures. And you know what? The American public shouldn't accept it either. And how do these, how do these two pieces of the puzzle give us any idea of what the puzzle will look like when we're done? Well, they don't, of course but they give us an idea of what size and shape and color of additional pieces of the puzzle we might look for. Specifically, we should search for pieces that look like the rest of the economic engine of America. Pieces that look like traditional higher education and its business model are the wrong shape and color. So maybe, We should look at other puzzles that show how our economy functions to serve its citizens and take some clues from what the pieces of those puzzles look like. Okay, I think that's enough for today. So I will invite you to stay tuned to the next exciting episode. Ciao!